Welcome to Fall Discipleship Conference. After several long months at school, we finally made it to the mountains. Over the next few sessions, we have the privilege of having Brian Zuniga, Director of Discipleship Programs at California Baptist University, walk us through Jesus' great commission and what living that out looks like for us. First up, let's talk about the men and the master. Welcome to FDC. Hey, so this is Fall Discipleship Conference. And F, like, I'm really stoked about the F. Can you do that? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. I don't, but how often, like the ending, we got to work on that. We got to figure that one out. Hey, I am stoked to be here tonight with y'all. Um, as you heard, I sent that bio thing. I, those are so cheesy, corny. I don't know. Um, uh, but that was mine. I, I wrote that, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. Um, but no, as you heard, I am uh, originally, I grew up in Oklahoma and I live in Riverside, California. And uh, so, yeah, I'm just excited to be anywhere, actually. <laughs> I'm just glad to be with you. Uh, so, um, and yeah, like I, uh, I have, um, well, just a little bit about me. I, I did, I went to the University of Oklahoma and um, there I met this, so here's a little story. I'll tell you more later on, but I met this hot girl at OU and this hot girl gave me a book to read. She said, hey, you should read this. And guys, when a hot girl gives you a book, what do you do? So some of you said read, read it and some of you are single. And so, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I would, like I was like, yes, thank you. Uh, and I, I will read this. And I read this book and it talked about God's heart for all of the world. And it was like really revolutionary for me because I like was very, um, I'll, I'll use some big words, myopic. Y'all are USC, right? Um, uh, so uh, can't use these at my Christian college. Uh, so um, is that bad? That's, this isn't, don't record that. Uh, so I was really focused on myself. I was locked in. And so to see that God had a bigger purpose plan for my life, like that he cared about more than just me and my little pocket of people that he cared about the world. And that was revolutionary. And so naturally I married the hot girl. And, uh, so, and this is, I think I got a picture of us. Uh, so that's my family. Isn't that awesome? Um, two of my kids are adopted and, uh, just to, um, protect their story. We, we don't tell people which two. <laughs> doesn't matter you know like it doesn't we're just all we're family my, <laughs> I don't know why that's funny uh, my goal today is uh tonight and then tomorrow is really two things really this is what we're trying to do I want you I love Jesus. I want you to love Jesus. So like, I want you to, to think about what it looks like to follow Jesus. And then two, I want you to think about what it looks like to invite others to follow Jesus. And then three, I want to talk about what it looks like to keep doing those things for a long time. That's it. So tonight we're going to talk about what it looks like to follow Jesus. Um, tomorrow morning, we're going to talk about what it looks like to invite others to follow Jesus. Like if it's something you're doing, if you're down with it, then why wouldn't you invite other people into the story? And then, and then we're going to talk about just doing this for a long time. And uh, so I'm stoked about it. Um, let me, uh, let me share the story and hopefully this will put some things into place. When uh, my wife and I, uh, we, at the beginning of our marriage, we had a, like a really cool opportunity um, to go teach English um, to people in uh, China. So we went to China, we were in uh, Fuzhou, Fujian region. And um, we, uh, we did this like little English camp and it was really fun. And uh, I remember like we were there and where we were at, like everything was kind of small, like they had small mattresses, like really tiny, like, so it hurt my back. Uh, and then uh, like a little small place that we lived in. And then the dude, uh, there was like a night guard. I used to call him a night watchman, like it was mafia or something like that. Um, uh, but there's a little, there's a guard and he was like, yay big. Um, but like we, I talked to him all the time. He was like, we were friends and he actually challenged me to a game of Chinese chess. 
And so when he did that, I like the Olympic flame started well, welling up within me, right? Like um, I put my red, white, and blue on. These colors don't run. And uh, <laughs> I, was, I was about to show him like some American genius. And then uh, I realized uh, he was going to show this moron just how to play the game, right? Right off the bat, I realized I was going to lose because I was like, what does this piece do? This is a cannon. That's awesome. Uh, so I started uh, to play. And it, once I learned how to make a move, I was just like, I was making moves. So, uh, like, I was like, cannon, this, horse, or whatever. Uh, and uh, he, he grabbed the translator, and he said, tell him he moves too fast. He must, he must contemplate. So um, I grabbed the translator, and I said, tell him he sounds like my father. <laughs> And so I just kept moving. And finally, he kind of just like said, he was like, stop. He said, you have, to, you have to see where I'm moving, and then you move accordingly. I want you to see where God's moving so that we can move accordingly. That's my goal. We're going to look at one little passage in the Bible. Actually, we're going to look at this one passage for the next three like little sessions um, or big sessions or whatever we're calling this. So we're going to look at this one passage. And I just want to see where God is moving, has moved. And, and then as we see what God's done, I, then we can think about our lives and see where our lives fit into what, what God's story looks like. And so we're going to look at one passage. It's the end of uh, this book that's about Jesus, and it's called Matthew. It's like the first book of the New Testament. Um, and so Matthew writes this whole story of Jesus. It was really chill because we get to see, like, Jesus. And then at the end, Jesus does this, like, epic, like, sending out, like, remember the Titans speech kind of thing. And it's really fun. So we're going to look at that one passage. Some people call that the Great Commission. And we're going to just see what God has done, what he's doing and how we can fit in with that. So that's my goal. Can we pray as we start to look at the Bible? Is that cool? Can I pray for us? I have the mic. I don't know what I'm asking you. <laughs> God, thank you for this time. I pray that we would just see what you're doing, see what you have done. I pray that we could see who you are, that we would, uh, we would understand our, our purpose. We would understand the moves that we should make with our life. So I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I'm going to bust this open. Uh, it's Matthew 28. So uh, if you're taking notes, you can write that down. Uh, if you want to look, you can. I'm going to read it all, and I got some even, um, I, I even put some on a PowerPoint for y'all. I made a, a, the business people call it a, like a slide deck or something like that. <laughs> Fancy. Uh, it's a PowerPoint. Mac people call it a keynote. I don't know what music pro presenter, I don't know. Uh, so presentation. Uh, so Matthew 28, and I'm starting in verse 16. And uh, so I'm going to read the whole thing. And this will just be where we launch off every, every session. Okay. So you can just, I don't know, don't dog ear it. That's like mean to your books. Don't do that. Um, but like you can put a bookmark or whatever. So here we go. Uh, Matthew 28, 16 through 20 it says the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given. And I don't have the rest. It's just, I'm going to keep reading. Um, Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So we're going to look at, over the course of uh, these two days, we're going to look at two, or like this, this whole passage, and we're going to see five things about this passage. So we're going to look at two of them tonight, and they all start with the letter M, except for the last one. And I'm just sorry about that. I just couldn't make it work. So, um, so uh, the first thing is right there. We're going to look at, we're going to start by looking at the men. It said the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee. And so uh, when I found out it was a fall discipleship, right? Disci right? Discipleship conference. I thought, oh, there's the story about disciples, right? So see how this works. See what we're doing here. Fall, fall. Yes. And the 11 See that? Isn't that cool? I made that connection. So, um, so, so let's start by looking at the men. So 
If you've heard of Jesus, you've probably heard about his disciples, right? Uh, he had 12 disciples. One didn't work out. Um, <laughs> and so by the end, we just got 11. And he, 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 he calls these 11. And here's the crazy thing. Let me just, I'm going to point to the end from right here, okay? So we're going to talk about following Jesus. And that's going to be most of what we talk about tonight. But I do want to point to the end, like, like Jesus has called us so that we can like tell others about him. And that's a little bit of like what we're going to talk about tomorrow. He called these people. He, he invited these people to follow him. And Jesus's plan for worldwide, the word is evangelization. They're like sharing the gospel message, sharing this message. His plan to get this uh, message out to the entire world hinged on 11 people. At the And this is the end of Jesus's ministry before he ascends back up into heaven. It's really awesome. It's a cool story. Um, before he does that, he's got... At the end, 11 people. Think about that. If I gave you a task to get a message out to the entire world, would you, would you just say, give me 11 people? Marketing majors, how would that, you know, how, how do we feel about that? 11 people. I'm reading the story. I'm in, I'm reading the story. I'm going through his plan to reach the world, to get this message out to the world. And he's got 11 people and I'm reading and I'm just thinking, Jesus, could you have put up some flyers? <laughs> 11 people, that's it. And think about the 11 people. If you know anything about these 11 people, like one was a tax collector. Like when I think accountant, I don't think people person, right? Like, uh, sorry, if you're an accounting major, you've got, uh, like Thaddeus was one of them. I don't even know what Thaddeus did. Uh, uh, Simon the zealot, like that's not even a real job, Simon. You've got these people that he's called to follow him and he's going to leave his plan to reach the world in the hands of 11 people. And that's like, to me, I don't know if you've read this book. Some of y'all are nerds enough like me to know the story of the Lord of the Rings, right? We know that. So it's like, um, it's like the Lord of the Rings here, right? And so this is like the Fellowship of the Ring. Who, who knows this? Like, come on, y'all know this, right? You've seen the movies, hopefully it's old, but like so maybe your parents showed you, I don't know. Uh, so there's this story, J.R.R. Tolkien, R.R. Tolkien. Uh, and it, there's these... Uh, these people, these are the people, um, and there's a ring, and the ring is going to like destroy the world somehow if this dude, uh, Sauron, gets it. I don't know how this works, because it just makes this hobbit dude invisible, um, but apparently it's a big deal. So this ring, I'm really filling you in on this, uh, <laughs> this ring is going to destroy the world, so they got to destroy the ring before it destroys the world. That's the whole plot of the story. If you haven't read it, sorry, spoilers. Uh, so um, they get together, all the wisest people of Middle Earth is where they're at. They get together and they're like, how are we going to destroy this ring? And so one like big dwarf is like, I will just chop it up with my axe. And he hits it. And if you remember, if you watch it, it's like, like, no, like a cartoon. Uh, it doesn't work, right? He can't destroy it with his axe. And apparently to, to uh, and where, I don't know where they're at. They're at like the elf place. Anybody, you know where that is? Rivendale nerds. And so, um, <laughs> So they're at the elf place and they're like, who's going to destroy this ring? And, and so they're like talking about it and they're like, well, we could do this or this or this. And they figure out they got to take this ring to the fires of Mordor. And you got to say it like that, right? I guess. I don't know. Um, roll the R's. And so yeah, they, they, they come together with this big plan, the wisest, smartest people of, of Middle Earth that, to destroy this ring, to save this whole world. And we're going to trust this guy. <laughs> Just, yeah, take it in. Take it in. 
Okay, you can take that off now. I think we get the idea. So I'm reading the story, and I don't know about you, but when I read the story and I see who Jesus is trusting, who he's leaving this message with, 11 people to take this message to the rest of the world. That's how I feel. I'm like, really? Is that, is that our best plan? Is that our best plan? You, you, look, uh, you look at these guys. Jesus, from the very beginning, this is why I called him. In uh, Mark 1.17, it says this. Uh, Jesus says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Um, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He, he pulled them together. Uh, to, to make them fishers of men. In Acts 4.13, I, I don't know what verses I put up there. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Uh, go to the next one. That's a really good one. Acts 1.13, check this out. It said, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized, so Peter and John were two of his disciples, two of those 11 that were there. And um, so Peter and John were talking, like just really preaching. Like they were just going hard, like talking about who Jesus was. And the people looked at these two guys and it said, when they saw their courage, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished. And they took note that these people had been with Jesus. They were very average, ordinary people. And so when I think about God's plan to get this message to the world and how he used these 11 ordinary people, that's really encouraging for me. I don't know how you feel. I don't know how you feel. Um, but I didn't always feel exceptional. Um, sometimes, some days, feeling really good. Some days, uh, man, so many days, I just feel ordinary and common. Um, one of my mentors, he says, if, if, you, <laughs> if you feel inadequate for the task of talking about Jesus to others, it's because you are. <laughs> you are. Take comfort in that. These guys were inadequate. But what changed everything? What changed for them? They were ordinary people who had done what? They'd been with Jesus. That changes everything. That changes everything. Um, when I look at my life, Jesus has given me um, purpose. Uh, I find worth and value in my relationship with Christ. God has given me purpose, direction, community, so many things through my relationship with him. So what we see about the men is the thing that made the biggest difference is that they followed the master. So that's what we're going to talk about. The master, that's the next, uh, maybe, I don't know. It's like just rolling the dice. We'll see what comes up. Uh, Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came to them and he said, all authority has been given to me and heaven on earth. Let me, let me just say one thing before we get here that I kind of forgot, but I think it's really important. These 11, so if you're looking at the last, don't go back or anything, but uh, it says they worshiped, but some doubted. And that's one of the most comforting pieces of that little commission. Because this is like an epic hype talk Jesus is giving to these guys. Like, they're, if, let me go back, Come on. let me read this. Look at this. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. It's like camp, y'all. Like they went up on a mountain. This is epic. And it says, even at the end, dude just raised from the dead, by the way. Jesus just raised from the dead. They saw it. They're like, wow, that's cool. They saw it, so they worshiped, but some doubted. And I don't know if this helps you, but it helps me. When I think about my life, when I think about um, fears and insecurities in my life, knowing that even the 11 people who had followed Jesus for three years, seen him with their eyes raised from the dead, they still were like, man, I'm just not sure. And then Jesus hypes them up, gives them this commission. He says, all authority has been given to me and in heaven on earth. 
all authority. So here's what I want you to see. Here's the, here's the change that happened to these guys. What helped them more than anything was that they followed the master. They saw Jesus as the masters, the authority in their life. Um, so this is fall. What is it, Paul? I'm going to say it a lot. Uh, fall discipleship conference. So that word discipleship. Now, um, it's connected to discipline, right? Uh, so if you're studying, you're in a discipline. Like I could ask you what your major is, or I could say what's your discipline for a lot of you. Uh, it's it's uh, it's a very academic word, discipleship, disciple. Uh, the word re- literally means learner. They are learners. And so when we talk about discipleship, we're, we're saying we are learners. What is a disciple? A disciple at its core is a follower of Christ. They are learners of Christ. Um, a disciple is someone who is committed to following Jesus. So I am... I do ministry at California Baptist University. That's the school I work at. And um, we, I do one of the, the, so I work with different groups of people and try to do ministry with different groups. And one of the groups that I really um, love spending time with is the wrestling team. Because I'm short and so are they. And um, (laughs) basketball team is very intimidating. They're awesome guys. They're, um, it's a D1 team. Uh, they're in the Big 12, which is kind of cool. Um, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. It's like ending now. Um, so uh, when they, so they get this, right? They get this idea of commitment. And if you're in a discipline, if you're like committed to a major or something like that, you get it too. Like you, you, like you understand commitment. So think about it from the perspective. And so this is my world. I spend time with these guys. Um, thinking about it from the perspective of a college athlete. So I'm going to, I know we're not all college athletes or I'm not. I literally, by the way, this is a side note. I had a scholarship um, at OU to not play football. And that is a true statement. Like it's called the Bud Wilkinson scholarship. And it's for people who played in high school, but were no longer playing anymore. They literally said, Hey, why don't you sit this one out? Here's some money. So... So I don't know exactly what it's like to be an athlete, but I can imagine, right? So I, I do imagine a lot. Um, they commit, you commit to a school. And so the wrestlers that, that wrestle um, on, at, our, at our school, uh, they had to commit. And so here's what it means to commit. They, they signed a letter of intent. They literally signed a letter that said, I am coming to your school. Uh, they had to tell other schools, sorry, uh, I'm not coming. And some of them, like they have stories. I'll, I'll share this with them. We'll talk about what it means to commit. And they'll, they'll even tell me stories of like schools that were mad because they thought they were in. They thought they were coming and they said, no, sorry. And that like, it's like a breakup almost. <laughs> They post it on their Insta, which means it's official, right? <laughs> they make plans. They, they, they have like roommates. They get housing plans. Um, then they actually, and that's all before even coming to campus, right? Then they come to campus and their whole lifestyle changes. They have 7 a.m. workouts. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm not a wrestler, <laughs> like... I, I did the freshman 15, right? Like I added that. And then last year and a half, I added the COVID-19. <laughs> Not a wrestler. They work out at 7 a.m. They, they have practice from three to five. Uh, they'll come in before practice to get um, taped up the trainer and get some ready. And then some of these guys hang out afterwards uh, and to work on like specific things. This commitment that they made, it's just a call, right? It's just, hey, coach, I'm coming. But it changes their whole entire life. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you follow Jesus, it's a commitment, but it changes the whole direction of your life. That's the first big thing that that, that a follower of Jesus um, does is they commit their life uh, to following Jesus. Look at the disciples. I don't know if that is is a verse on there. I don't know. We'll see. What's next? Oh, good. I wanted that one to be next. Uh, It says they follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And look what they do. Immediately, what do they do? Drop their nets. Drop 
their nets. Okay, so don't hear me say something I'm not saying here. I'm, I'm not saying if you come to Jesus, he'll make you change your job or major. I'm not saying that. But I'm also not, not saying that. <laughs> when these guys came to Jesus, this is, this is these guys' career, their family business, their career, their future. Jesus said, follow me. And they dropped their nets. And what it means to follow Jesus, uh, Luke 9.62 is a good verse. It says, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. And that sounds intense. But what it means to follow Jesus, it's saying, I'm following, I'm committing to follow you. I'm putting my hand to the plow. I'm, if you want me to drop my net, I'll drop my net. And I don't know what this looks like. <laughs> I don't know what direction you're going to send me on, but I want to follow you. And so if there's a clear, if I... If I'm reading scripture and I get like this clear word and, and, and from other people I hear, hey, this is what the direction I see God taking you. And I'm going to commit to following Jesus no matter what. It's a, it's a redirection. It's a commitment. And it changes every element of life. Just like the wrestlers get up um, and, um, and try to work out in the morning. I do spiritual workouts in the morning. Uh, I try to read the Bible every morning. I'm not perfect at it. I'm really not. Um, I'm really proud of this. I'm about to finish. You guys ready? I'm about to finish a yearly Bible reading plan in a year and a half. And <laughs> but following Jesus has, has changed so much of my life, rhythms of my life. Um, and I get it. You're like, well, you're in ministry, of course. Close friends of mine, uh, guys that I grew up in, following Jesus has changed their life. And they're like doctors and accountants. And he, he is a people person. It's weird. Um, it, it changes patterns, habits, things in, in your life. Um, it's, it's not just this mental, hey, I'm going to believe this. But it's, it's a life digging into it. And here's the cool thing. Like, just like my wrestlers when they commit to doing, uh, to, to following the team, to being a part of the team, here's what it looks like in their life. Um, it changes so much of, of their life. You see the change in their life. It's cool, it's cool, kind of convicting, but cool to see guys come in their freshman year looking like me and uh, leaving their senior year looking like, I don't know, Dwayne The Rock Johnson or something like that. Um, like th their commitment changes them. Uh, it, it changes their physique. Uh, they get cauliflower ear, but which I don't know. Some of them like it. You know what I'm talking about? It's like this thick looking ears. They, they're proud of it too. Cause it says I'm a wrestler and you can see I am not like, it's just plain. Um, they wear different clothes. They wear the CBU wrestling clothes. They do this thing, and I don't know if anyone here does it, but they, they wear like uh, sweatpants and they tuck them into their socks. Have you seen that? It's a thing. <laughs> but being a part of this team, just it changes so much of what they do. It changes their nutrition. These guys, wrestlers, like they're, they're trying to make weight, right? I don't know how healthy it is, but uh, they, like, they know nutrition. They know like, here's how much I can eat. Here's how much, like they, they've got it planned out. Their sleep, they know that's important. Uh, their schedules, uh, the coach at the beginning of the year uh, makes them turn in their schedules. And so they have all this stuff planned out because they have this end goal and they're committed to a team. And then within the team, um, there's some beautiful things that happen. They grow and they sharpen each other. Um, they do this for like, look, check this out. Check this out. They do this and they run and they work out. And it's really like hard. I watch them and it looks, I'm tired just by watching them. But they love it. They absolutely love it. They do it for four years. Some of them get red shirts. And they get to do it for five years. There's one guy I know, he got a medical red shirt, a regular red shirt, and a COVID year. 
he's going to be like having grandkids and still wrestling. <laughs> but they do it because they love it. If you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you do it because you love it. Um, one of my favorite stories, Jesus has this like story, story, story. So it's really fun. Um, Matthew 13, 44, he tells the story. Uh, he said, the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like a guy who's in this field and he, he finds a treasure and he, he covers it back up. So he uncovers this treasure, he covers it back up. And then he goes and it says he sells everything. Doesn't just sell everything. It says out of joy, he sells everything to buy the field so he could have that treasure. That's what it looks like to follow Jesus. You see the value and the joy and the purpose that God has for your life. And you're like, I will drop a net. I'm cool with not fishing anymore because this has value and joy. So there's a commitment. So when you follow the master, there's a commitment. There's also communication. So let me talk about this real quick. Um, there's commitment. So what it means to be a disciple, there's a commitment to following Jesus. Number two, there's communication. So as you follow Jesus, the master, there's communication. Uh, how much time? What am I? I did not check at the beginning. So I'm just going to keep talking for a while. When y'all start falling asleep, I'll stop and uh, we'll just be done. That's great. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing really well, though. Uh, okay. I want to talk about, <laughs> let me just start here. Check this out. So my wife, my wife, when we, before we were wife um, and <laughs> team, I don't know, whatever that means. It sounded weird. <laughs> We wrote letters to each other because because I'm old. And uh, so over a summer, like uh, like my sophomore year, I was like I had this. It was a long term plan. Like it was like a long term thing. Um, me and my buddy Nathan, he was my wingman. I'm really eternally grateful for him. Uh, we would go and visit this girl, um, Jennifer, and uh, we would go to her dorm and we would like just hang out. Right. And this is what we would do like pretty regularly. And it was a long term plan that I had in mind. And uh, so we kept doing this. And then finally, um, because like I'm kind of insecure and I, I don't date. I didn't a lot. So uh, I didn't really know what to do. So I was just like kept visiting, kept visiting. And, um, and then she, it was about to be summer, right? And I'm like, man, I've kind of wasted all this time, but I'm investing it. Uh, <laughs> long term, long game. Uh, so, <laughs> so right before the summer, we exchange addresses, right? Because that's what you used to do. Like real addresses, not email. <laughs> Because who uses email when you dial up internet? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so I write to her, how's it going? And she writes to me. And she writes to me on this stationery that has a little plant at the bottom. And then next to the plant at the bottom, she writes a little Bible verse. And, um, and so she writes, Jeremiah 29, 5. <laughs> So I'm, I'm like, all right, like, cool story. Like, I'm glad you're working at um, Tommy Hilfiger this summer. Um, but Jeremiah 29.5, I go Nick Cage, like, secret society, code breaker, national treasure honor. And I'm like, uh, Jeremiah, here we go. Uh, let's see what this one has to say. Uh, she has a message for me. Jeremiah 29. Five next to this little plant. And it says, you ready for this? Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Because <laughs> it's next to a plant, get it? <laughs> she, she literally like just word searched plant and was like, here, let me write this. But y'all know how I am. I know how you are. Like when you have, when you're exchanging messages with someone important, right? When you're exchanging messages, 
you get very scholarly, right? <laughs> so I know some of y'all probably like could get a PhD in Snapchat right now. Like you're like, you, you know how to read into it. So I'm doing the most with this verse. So I'm like, a, I'm Jeremiah 29, five. And I know a good way to read scripture is to always put it in context, right? So you never just like leave it by itself, but you want to read the verses around it. So I read verse six. <laughs> so let me, well, let me just refresh with verse five because this is really good. Uh, build houses, live in them, plant gardens, and eat their produce. Find wives for yourselves. <laughs> and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters, this is a long-term plan, to men in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. <laughs> so, so I'm just trying to apply scripture, y'all. <laughs> Sometimes I realize I read my letters from my wife more than I read the Bible. And I do more work with those letters than digging in the word. There's a creator God. He created the world. Um, and uh, there's this idea of general revelation. And what that means is you can just look at the stars and realize, man, there is something out there. This is God is big. You drive by the Grand Canyon and you're like, oh man, there is wonder and awe. Um, my, uh, my heritage, I'm, I'm Lenape um, Native American on my dad's side. And I've been reading more about like our history and, and some of our tribal stories. Before Europeans came and met um, and my ancestors, we knew there was a creator. There's a capital C creator. There was no doubt about that. So when, um, when people told us about Jesus in the 16 and 1700s, my tribe was one of the first to come to Jesus to really follow him. There, there's just, we know there's creator, there's a creation. Uh, look at Half Dome, man, that's amazing. There's like just amazing, like you look at creation and you can see there's intelligence, there's something there. Now check this out. The sovereign creator of the universe who every night pops out, he shows off by just showing you the stars. Well, out here, which is, you should check him out. You can't see it in LA. Um, like in Riverside, we talk about look at the star. <laughs> Man, he shows off every night. But, but check this out. The sovereign creator of the universe says, I love you. I love you so much that I'm going to reveal myself specifically to you. I'm going to give you special revelation of who I am. And the sovereign creator of the universe has revealed himself in a book. And we can know the sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing, God of the universe who loves you so much that he, he sent a son to die for you. And then he wrote about it so that you can know about it. How cool is that? So when I'm, when I'm doing the most reading my, uh, that, that girl's messages, and that's how we need to dig into God's word. God loves us. And he's told us about himself and we can get to know him through this book communication so what it means to be a disciple it means that you make a commitment and that and that you communicate uh, with the god of the universe how awesome is that um i i used to say this a lot <laughs> i used to say i don't know if you've ever heard this um i used to say man I like when something would, would happen to somebody and I, I, I would say, I'm going to pray for you. And a lot of times I would say something like this, man, I wish I could do more. All I can do is pray. Has anybody ever heard anything like that? Man, I wish I could do more. All I can do is pray. Now we can do 
things and pray. But let me just stop real quick. <laughs> Think about what you're saying. I wish I could do more. All I can do is pray. Now, prayer, if you're a follower of Christ, what, a, what prayer is, it's asking God to work sovereignly in your life. And what we know in Scripture is that God actually listens and responds. Jesus says, until now you've asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be made complete. Uh, Matthew 21, 22, he says, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Well, we see this throughout Scripture, that God says, just ask, talk to me, ask. If God really loves you and cares for you, when you ask, Jesus says it like this, like if you're a dad, if you're a parent, and your kid asks you for some bread, you're not going to give him a rock, right? Or if he, if he asks for a fish, you're not going to give him a snake. <laughs> right? Like, like you know how to be a good parent. You care about your kids. How much more is God going to take care of you when you ask him? Ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. So prayer, prayer, check this out. All I can do is pray. That's, here's what you're saying. I wish I could do more, but all I can do is talk to the eternal, all-powerful creator of the universe, who with just one word, just put this whole thing into existence, who with one word creates life, whatever he wants, the all-powerful creator of the universe, who, who actually listens to me, not because of the good things I've done, but because I have a relationship in Christ, because of the good works that he did, because of the, 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 that he brings me and, and allows me to talk to this all-powerful, eternal creator God. And he doesn't just listen, but he says, hey, I got you. All I can do is pray. Like, doesn't that feel weird to say all I can do is pray? Man, we should be like, man, uh, I'll pray. All I could do is give you a million dollars. Like, I mean, just flip that on its head. Prayer is one of the most powerful ways we can connect with God. We can talk to God. We can ask. We can ask. We can ask. So what it means to be a disciple is, one, we commit. We commit. We buy in to following Jesus. Uh, the Bible says, says like this, we turn from, from our sins. We turn from us, like following us, ourselves, and we trust. We commit. And then we communicate. We communicate. We, we hear from God, from this, and we talk to God through prayer. And then the last thing, so commitment, communication, and the last thing is community community. So what it means to be a disciple is that we got a squad. How cool is that? <laughs> uh, here's the cool thing. Like Jesus, Jesus, um, he rolled with people. Like he had, he had his disciples. He had people with him. Um, when you follow Jesus, uh, you, <laughs> he puts you in a community and that's really cool. Uh, okay, I'm going to tell you, uh, I, this feels like a flex. <laughs> okay, so, so I'm on TikTok, right? <laughs> you just said that's not a flex. Feel in the shade, feel in the shade, right? So when COVID-19 happens, I work with college students, right? Uh, I don't know what happened in your neck of the woods, but when COVID-19 happened, my college said, bye y'all, right? And we just shut down. Like we were about to do a spring break thing, right? And I saw all of my peoples and uh, I was actually teaching a class at the time. And so in the class, we got together, last class before spring break. And I said, hey, probably won't see y'all again. And I was right, right? <laughs> just done. So I thought, hey, I don't know how else to connect with students right now. I'm so bored. I'm bored in a house and a house bored. And so like, <laughs> what am I going to do? Like, I didn't know what to do. So I started like, people who do this TikTok thing. So I'll do this TikTok thing. And I started posting and people started following. I started talking about my kids and having a family. And people started asking me questions. And I've had people from Australia 
uh, asked questions about what it looks like to follow Jesus. And this, this girl from Australia, and so I connected her with my wife. Um, she like found me on Instagram and then I like connected her with my wife and she's talking about what it looks like. And some dude from Canada is a really good follower. I'm really good. I like him. And uh, <laughs> always comments. Uh, people from England, like people from all over. And all I've been doing is just like posting some goofy stuff about being a family and how to be a dad. Like, yeah, like, like 200,000 followers. It's weird. I know. That's the flex, y'all. That's the flex. Thank you. You know what that tells me? Because I'm, I'm super casual. Like, I'm like, here's what it tells me. People want community. People want community. And I've seen on the other side of this pandemic thing, like I know in my heart, I, I need community. I don't know where you've been with this, but man, people want community. Jesus gives you community. How awesome is that? Um, what it means to be a disciple, it means that you commit, <laughs> you've made a master, you commit, and you communicate, and then he puts you in a community. Um, with my wrestlers, um, <laughs> yesterday I had a Bible study with, with a few of them, and there were two guys, two wrestlers, both heavyweights, scary people, right? <laughs> <laughs> They're going to wrestle next week. They're going to wrestle each other. Um, they're trying to get the starting spot, both of them. They're going to go toe-to-toe. It's an inter-squad scrimmage. But because they're on the same team, they love each other. And because they're both Christians, they, they, one of them just came to Christ. It's awesome. Um, but they, they, uh, there's a love. There's a community. Because God has put them in the same family. This is like the team. They get it. Uh, you want to sharpen each other. You want to make each other better. Um, and so uh, God has given us a community, a family. Uh, the Bible says as iron sharpens iron, one person sharpens the other. Um, Acts 2.42, um, I love this little passage in Acts. We see the, the um, kind of some of the first followers of Jesus as they start coming together. Um, here's what it looks like. This is in Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, right? So hearing the Bible, communication with God. To breaking of bread and a prayer, breaking of bread and a prayer, right? You just I said those things, right? Uh, and a prayer. It said everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and signs were being performed, and all the believers were together, and all held things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed proceeds to all as any had need. They were looking out for each other. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple, broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful, sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. God has given us community. We can find it. Uh, through, through following Jesus in such a way that we look at others and we say, how do you follow Jesus? How do you follow Jesus? And, and we follow Jesus. We start to move together. Um, we start to move together. So this is what it looks like. Um, we, we look at that great commission. And so I'm going to shut it down. Some people have fallen asleep. No, I'm just kidding. Y'all are doing good. Um, uh, Matthew 28, 11 disciples, right? The men, 11 disciples came to the mountain. They had camp um, where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped and some doubted. Jesus came near and said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. They made that dude their master. And as they made him their master, they committed to him. They communicated to God and God put them in this team, this community. That's what we saw. And so my question is, what does that mean for us? How do we move accordingly? How do we make moves accordingly? And I think it's easy. We, we think about what it looks like to make Jesus our master, to say, I'm committing to following you. I'm buying in on this. We start thinking about, man, how, what does it look like to really dig into this? Like a love letter. <laughs> um, like that, that, that person you want that message from right now. <laughs> like if they send it, would you, you dig into it, right? What does it look like to dig into the Bible? And to really think, man, the creator of the universe has given this to me so I can know him. What does it look like to respond and talk to him? What does it look like to be a part of a community that does that? 
Um, so I'm playing chess, back to that. Uh, and um, man, I'm just, I'm getting beat, right? Like I stole something and I'm like, just, I'm losing and I'm losing. And um, this, like, I, I'm just, I'm, I don't know about you, but for me, like when I'm starting to lose, sometimes I just want to get it over with, right? I don't know if you've ever done that. Uh, if anybody does um, PlayStation and you just throw the controller, right? You like, um so I'm just, I'm just trying to lose at this point. So I know how to make bad moves at this point. So I'm just starting to make some really dumb moves. And uh, so I think I offend him by doing this, right? And he grabs my piece. And so I make this move, a really dumb move. He grabs my piece and he slams it back down to where it was. And he says this, he said, this move has no purpose. He says in Chinese chess, we only make moves with a purpose to the end. And that's what I'm trying to tell you. You have one life to live. You have one big move to make with your life. What end are you gonna make that move towards? Hey, let's pray. God, I thank you. Um, I thank you that you've revealed yourself to us through your word and we can know who you are. I pray in this, uh, this weekend, these couple days that you would um, just continue to reveal yourself through your word, um, through the community that you put around us, and, and that we can, can really think about what it looks like to be a, a disciple that follows you. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the USA Christian Challenge podcast. You can find us on your favorite podcast platforms where you can leave us a review as well. We meet in person every Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. in TCC 450 on the campus of the University of Southern California. If you're in the area, we would love to see you there. Get involved and find out more about us, upcoming events, and weekly small groups on Instagram at USC Challenge and on our website, uscchristianchallenge.com.